What's going on, guys? I'm back with the 12th episode of my podcast. I have been dying a little inside. Finals have been happening, and uh, it's been brutal. I got my last one tomorrow in California. I cannot wait to be done. But on the positive side, on this recording, I got to talk to the USG VP of Communications, USG standing for Undergraduate Student Government. Yeah. Uh, not to be confused with the VP of Communications for the entire Stony Brook campus. Um, I got the time, privilege, and pleasure to talk to Justine Josue, who decided that she was okay with not being anonymous, um, but also because it would be really difficult for her to be and talk about her position on campus, which is an integral position. And the reason I wanted to interview her is to give kind of her side of the story of what she does, uh, how she's representing the student body, and you know get more information out to Stony Brook students who really don't play a role on campus life. Um, Stony Brook University is uh, I think the population is 17,000 undergraduates and a large amount of that is commuters and because of that it makes it kind of difficult for students to play a large role in campus life and I know students have complained about campus life and I think it's been getting better but to really make the campus a place for students and you know keep the growth going i think everyone needs to be involved and in the conversation we bring up a couple of key aspects of how people are not really as involved as they could be or should be in campus uh, representation through their student government so uh, justine she's 20 years old she's uh, an undergraduate herself obviously undergraduate student government uh, she started off her college career as a bio major, quickly realizing she didn't want to do that, and switched over pretty early on to journalism, which she found her passion in. Uh, she's always loved writing, and it definitely clicked. Later on down the line, she kind of reluctantly and on a whim ended up running for this role for the vice president of communications. And once in the position, she definitely didn't take it for granted. She from everything that I've, I've gotten from the conversation had put her 100% throughout the entirety of it and she even feels as though she hasn't put in enough work and I felt the energy when I was talking to her about how much she cares for representing the student body and I think it was really cool getting to talk to her and getting an inside look at you know her role as uh, the VP and you know what she does so on that note I hope you guys really like pay attention to you know what she does. She represents the students here, and uh, I hope you just enjoy the conversation. Thank you for being here. Here goes the intro. figured out there are a couple of key settings that I can change around to make the audio more like punchy so like you know when you hear like a very professional podcast it's like the person's right in your ear and you hear all the inflections in their voice so I've gotten it to a point where it's like I can kind of imitate that but I still haven't messed with the settings too much where it's like I can do that to a science like if the audio is very bad and I need to fix something specifically I probably won't be able to and I'll just leave it in there but I've been getting better like the uh, one I recorded with Steve last time mm-hmm 
compared to the tenth one, there's like a very distinct difference in how punchy the voice is, and like I that. To that, one, yes. that was like specific. Like I remember, I listened to a couple minutes from both, and like I kind of skipped around trying to find parts where it might be messed up, and the key difference was, the eleventh uh, one was a lot more like in my ear. Like I can tell, like what the person was saying. It was clearer. It was crisp. And mm-hmm. I think the, I think the best way to just to kind of explain it is that he was a lot more crisp. A little bit ASMR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, first of all, thank you for being here, Justine. Thanks for having me. Um, and thank you for being okay with not being an anonymous. And <laughs> I, again, people get hung up on that when I like say that uh, one of the key aspects of me recording these are like anonymous. Um, that's just for people who don't want their name out. And I think for you, it makes a little bit more sense just because I think you have a, you have a background in journalism and. You know, uh, as a VP Communications, like, you have your name out there. And, I mean, you're used to being kind of, like, in the light and talking publicly. So right, I thought, yeah. And also, you, some of the things we talk about, it would be hard to stay anonymous. anonymous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, the first thing I actually want to start, start talking about is uh, your major originally. So, this is more about you, less about your role. Because I know that, I know you since freshman year. For people who don't know me, I know Justine. I know people. Um, <laughs> um, I know that freshman year, your major was not journalism oriented. I think you were chem, bio, I don't know. Bio. bio. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. I was, I started off as biology pre-med and really I should have been undecided cause that's what I was, mm-hmm. but, uh, I was good at math and science in school and my dad's a doctor, mom's a nurse and I'm Filipino. So it was oh, kind of just Asian like household following the path mm-hmm. without really thinking about it. So I just went into it, not even giving it serious thought. And then after just maybe like two or three weeks into classes, I was like, wow, I kind of hate this. Like, this is mm-hmm. not that interesting to me. I wanted to be able to help people, but I knew that I was not... Going to uh, be able to do it. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought into the future how it's like, what is it, four years in mm-hmm. school, three years residency or more. And two years. Do, isn't, I, thought it was, I thought it was usually two years. I'm not sure, but I just knew <laughs> that it was going to be a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know um, the person who I had here who was, who was going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. He, he's explained he's going to do four years med school, two years residency, and then a year specialization. Okay. So approximately seven years before yeah. he starts a full time career. Yeah, and that's a lot of commitment. Yeah. So it's got to be something that not only you're good at, but something that you really love. You are passionate, mm-hmm. and you know for you a fact you're passionate. passionate. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have that passion. Mm-hmm. So I knew that my other thing was that I really loved writing, and I loved the idea of. Uh, putting the puzzle of thoughts into exact words like writing i think is the purest form of thinking Hmm. and so i mean it is it is an art form yeah and so i just uh i took one semester of just a bunch of different sorts of writing classes Mm -hmm. like english and writing and journalism i ended up going through journalism that's really interesting because one of my biggest regrets is that it's a fourth year now and i honestly I don't completely regret being a math major, but I definitely think I didn't make the right decision being a math major four years down the line. I've had this conversation with my mom. Um, I told her, I was like, I, I, at one point during my, I think, sophomore year, I was like, I kind of want to be a physical therapist. And you know, like, I have a, a background in personal right, training. Yeah. And, like, I didn't really go through with it because I was already so far down the line. Yeah. I think it's good that you made the switch so early on. I mean, like, I am passionate about math, and mm-hmm. I like it. I'm good at it, and I think I can do something as a career with it. But if I was to say what I'm passionate about, it'd definitely be more on the terms of, like, helping people and, and, and that. Did you ever sit back and, like, think it through? No. You just... Not, not, when, I was, not okay. when I was a freshman. Not when I was a sophomore, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it was towards the end of sophomore year when I really started, like, 
kind of thinking outward and like thinking towards the future as to what I would do. And I couldn't think of anything specifically that I wanted to do with math, but I kept going with it because my grades were good. And I was like, you know, like maybe I'll figure it out later down the line, but now I'm here and I still haven't really figured it out. <laughs> but <laughs> Un- Unmapped. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the point. Um, but again, it's not something I regret because it's not a major that I was innately bad. I didn't have to like push through right. it and yeah. hate the entire process. I was like, mm-hmm. I-, I wasn't the best at it, but I could do it and it was not an issue. And I was like, I want to keep doing this. You're good at it. You like it. Yeah. You don't hate it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like you got stuck in something that like... <laughs> I don't know, aggressive talking from someone else. So it's not like you got stuck in something that you you just hate yourself for. Mm -hmm. It's just something you don't love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's not so bad. And especially because of the major itself. Yeah, I mean, it's a a STEM major. And I mean, math right now is one of the hottest majors that you could be in. Everything is kind of moving towards data analytics, being a part of the company team, whatever it may be, to optimize what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I won't have a career in something that I will enjoy, just because, like, how broad the spectrum of careers I feel like that's are. not something a lot of people know. Like, my mom, so I told her I was doing this, and she asked, like, oh, what's what's Imran's major? And I said, math. What do you mean? And she was like... Wait, how'd she know me? Because <laughs> I said, I told her, I told her, she knows everyone's name. Oh, cool. In our whole, like... Squad. 303 squared okay, okay. family. And, uh, yeah, she's, she asked her major, and I said math, and she's like, oh, math and education? I'm like, no, just math. And she's like, what do you do with math? Like, <laughs> I thought all math majors become math teachers. <laughs> no, that's what my parents thought. My parents, when I originally went into it, um, because they wanted me to do engineering, you know, typical Asian family. They wanted me to do engineering or, like, be a doctor or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, obviously. <laughs> um, right. And I told them, I was like, I don't really want to do engineering, but I'm willing to do, like, applied math, because I've always loved math. Um... And my parents were like, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to be a, a teacher? And I was like, no, like I could probably like finagle like something somewhere later down the line. But they never really understood it until I'd say like late into my sophomore year. Because one of my uncles, he's a, he was an applied math major himself. And he's doing, um, I think he's working in, for his master's right now in data analytics. And like he, he's a assistant professor at one of the universities near where he lives. I forgot which one specifically, but like he's, he's making good money. And I told him to talk to my parents and he explained like what he does. <laughs> Yo, and, back me up. <laughs> yeah. Back me up, man. <laughs> and he supported me and he explained to my parents like how many different ways I can go with just a math major. Mm-hmm. And my parents were a lot calmer with that. Mm-hmm. I think a big thing with immigrant families is that they don't know what's out there because they haven't really like done right. that. Yeah. And so they only know like the basics. Yeah. But that's, that's one thing I wanted to touch on. You mentioned how like the typical Asian family like go down that path mm-hmm. you know one thing I'm grateful for is that my parents did have that mindset mm-hmm. like be a doctor or a nurse or something like that but they are I was very grateful that there's very understanding and when I called my dad and I told him I wanted to switch there was no anger at all and it was completely fine and I was utterly surprised like, yeah that's... I was prepared to like have a full-on argument, argument about it and I was so relieved. I think that's so, uncommon. I, I thought that was rare, yeah. Yeah, uncommon in, in a lot of families, especially if they're first-generation immigrants. Yeah, um, It's just, they don't know. Like, they, mm-hmm. they they have this assumption, it's like, you know, they've put in all this work for you. It's like, if you're not going to be the top of the top, uh, and the top of the top to them is either doctor or engineer, it's like, what are you, what are you doing? Right, yeah. Um, which yeah. is understandable. I mean, there's no animosity towards their idea of what that may be, but it's just that they don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I went through that sort of journey from, like, 
coming from a different country and starting from yeah. nothing and making it, you know, and yeah. having your own kids, you want them to be even mm-hmm. higher than you. Right. And that's like, that's a lot. Yeah, that's yeah, a lot it is. To it's a lot of someone, weight. It's a lot of weight to put on But someone. it makes a lot, it makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense. Like, and you get it as you get realize? older. Yeah. Um, so straight off a little, uh, going back to when you switch to journalism. Yeah. So this is like what, your third week into your freshman year? Uh, no, my third week into my freshman year is when I first it. had doubts. Okay. And, my, and when I seriously thought about it, which I should have done before I even mm-hmm. stepped into college. But yeah, my, my third week. And then, uh, after that semester was when I switched, uh, I think like at the end of that semester, like the last week I officially switched. And, end of the was, first semester that was or whatever whatever week it was of of that first semester mm-hmm. of freshman year yeah whatever week it was that we had to enroll into the classes next year that's right. that's when i officially switched that's pretty early on classes. yeah yeah it is it felt like it wasn't because i mean you had an entire semester, semester of something you just hated of like chem and <laughs> yeah yeah and calculus that was like two grades above my level that was torture <laughs> <laughs> that was not fun so what was the transition from you know, just being into journalism, being in journalism to being more active into the community. Do you think it played a role in you being more active in the community? Oh, definitely. Um, some of the first classes that I took in journalism, they just want you to get used to reporting. So they kind of throw you into the water and give you like small homework assignments. Well, I think they're small now based on like what I'd have to mm-hmm. do now. But uh, they were big to me back then where you would just talk to like hundreds of people and just get quotes from people you weren't even making you weren't even writing stories yet you were just getting used to putting yourself out there and and talking to the people around you because of course you have to do that for reporting and interviewing and so with that I was constantly meeting new people on campus and at the same time I was a freshman so it was like that's normal and I also it was difficult but also like I had the shield that like I could say like oh I'm a freshman I'm just meeting new people okay 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 um, and then also I could also fall back on like, and it's for a class <laughs> <laughs> and I could like ask them questions. So with meeting more and more people kind of like exponentially in that second semester, my freshman year as, as someone that came from a smaller high school and now to this huge campus with 17,000 undergraduate students, I genuinely like this sounds so corny, but I genuinely in that semester gained a love for the school and the people in it like i think that like our student body is so special and unique and i don't know if maybe it's just from my upbringing i i moved a lot so i never really had like my home you know like like students that i grew up with and then also i went through high school with uh, a primarily white student body like Mm -hmm. i was like one of only two Asian girls in, okay. the, in my whole class. Maybe in the whole school. Yeah, comparative to, <laughs> to, to that, Stony Brook's extremely diverse. Yeah, Stony Brook was hugely diverse. And so I thought that was awesome. And not even diverse in uh, ethnicities, but also Mindset. in, yeah, in mindsets, which is unfortunately kind of dwindling, I think. I think, like, I, I identify as a Democrat mm-hmm. and I have liberal views, but I think it's really important to have differing views yeah, and I saw I that a lot agree with that. I saw that a lot my second semester in freshman year but I think it's starting to kind of fade away and I'm not really sure why but what do you, that, what do you think is fading else. away um just the difference in views I think it's becoming I think a lot of college campuses are starting to become very liberal and especially socially I, I agree with that I think people have this this uh like innate drive to be part of uh 
a party. Like the idea of like the you know a partisanship in yeah. in the party. It's be like part of something. Be part of one side or the other. Right. There's no like middle ground view. Mm-hmm. Um, when I talked to uh, one of you know one of the streetmates that I have who's a Republican, that was I think half on the third episode. Um, our main conversation was the fact that he's a Republican and he's had a lot of views that have affected my opinion on uh, political matters. I was obviously a uh, very diehard Democrat, you know, liberal because I come from an immigrant family. Right. But I came from that viewpoint not even knowing what that meant realistically. Right. Because I mean, when you're a teenager, you don't really know anything politically oriented. You kind of yeah. just identify with whatever your parents identified with. Yeah. Um, having conversations with him, he brought up a lot of points where he explained what the movements he, you know, he was going for, what he was doing, what his side of the story was. And that completely changed my viewpoint on a lot of things. Um, and you know, it just gave me, it definitely changed me from being like associating with someone who is extremely liberal to someone who's more in the middle, who sees things from both sides of uh, the story and then tries to formulate my opinion after that. Yeah. That's, and in journalism, that's so important to have fairness and balance when it's required, when the facts support balance, when there are things to debate about, when it's not a clear cut, Mm -hmm. right or wrong, black and white. So, yeah, just my second semester diving in there and meeting new people, I my views, I don't want to say shifted, but I was very happy to meet people that didn't share the same background, same views as me. They just gave you a poor perspective on mm-hmm. things. And it made me, instead of, instead of not liking those people, it made me just like the school a lot in mm-hmm. general. <laughs> So when did you actually decide that you wanted to be a larger part of the campus? Because it sounds like just from that story of you saying like you started loving the campus and the people, like you started having a drive for wanting to be a part of something larger than yourself and being part of the campus. Mm-hmm. So like when did that decision come about? Um, I didn't. I actually didn't have a drive for getting involved specifically. I just liked. I liked doing things that forced me to meet people because hmm. after that second semester I liked meeting people mm-hmm. and it was like just a fun thing to do so I got involved in hall council my freshman year right. with uh, uh with Jordan my sweetmate and uh we did that for fun and that was like a really small little thing compared to like you were the president of the hall council university. yeah I was the president of hall yeah. council and I, I strongly believe that you got a lot more people together during the years that you were part of Hall Council. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Oh, no, yeah, so I was Hall Council, I was an RHA senator freshman year and then president sophomore, sophomore year, year yeah. I think, or first semester, second semester, I can't remember, but I was one first and then the other, I can't mm-hmm. remember how long it took. Um, but yeah, at first that was just because it was fun. And then, when did I run? Junior year. I wasn't even thinking about... USG, like the the ginormous student government, because mm-hmm. that's like the biggest. That's the highest level that's of the highest student level representation that yeah, we have. Exactly, because those people, the people that were running for those positions, I of course I always heard about the elections mm-hmm. because during campaign week they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They yeah, are. they're like sharks, and you <laughs> always meet them, and then you learn about what it is, and you learn a little bit about mm-hmm. the people running. But I never thought that I would run, and I never had interest in running, just because. Well, partly because I didn't feel like I was qualified. Like, when I did, when I ended up running, I was running with people that were, like, the highest of the highs of involvement on campus already. Mm -hmm. Like, 
our vice president is was the vice president of resident hall association which is the second largest organization okay so she was like just below usg so like they they were doing basically mm-hmm. what you did from rj senator to president and, but like but for a longer period huge. of time yeah and larger larger scale much larger much larger scale all i was was like a hall council president yeah. for one <laughs> building for like and then well, you just, how many people came to Hall Council? Uh, like I'd say, I'd, yeah, yeah, 50 people. I mean, our building was large. I think yeah, we had 300 but then or 400. There's, like, but... there's someone who's an exec board for Commuters mm-hmm. Student Association, which is huge, too. Or it's either Commuters, there's two commuter organizations, but I forgot which one she was. But anyway, um, until Cole Lee, who was president for two terms, our freshman year and sophomore year, I believe. Or was it sophomore year and junior year? I think it's sophomore I, year and junior year. I wouldn't be able to fact check uh, you, so I'll believe you. <laughs> I'm just trying to get the facts right. You know, journalistic integrity. Right, right. <laughs> um, he messaged me and kind of talked about how this position of vice president communications, it would be very, it would be very helpful to have someone who had a journalistic background in that position and also someone that generally cared about the school. Okay. And... Uh, I th- I thought well I'll try it I'll talk to the guy who's doing it right now mm-hmm. we talked and there were a lot of things that I found interesting about the job itself and the responsibilities that came with it and I decided that I would just run and just see what happens but I wanted to run to see who I was running against because I wanted to be I wanted I cared I ended up caring about the position I wanted it to be done right mm-hmm. And I thought that if I could do it right, then I want to do it. But if there's someone else more qualified then they that have... could do it, then I would have dropped out. So, like, if they were passionate about it, it's like yeah. they would have I more would of just... a say, mm-hmm. you know, you would respect that. Mm-hmm. And but so when I went to that guy who was in the position mm-hmm. and we talked about it, he was like, you know, you're actually the only person that came to our office to, like, find out to more find about out the about job. It? That's like, really weird. Okay, that's weird. Okay, I want to do this. Like, I don't want it to go to anyone yeah. else. So how is someone running for that position and they don't even have the the inkling to care to even find out more about the position he in the first place? He ended up finding more about it, like, once campaigning started. Okay. But the guy that ran against me, he's great. I love him mm-hmm. now. He's, uh, I actually work with him now. Okay, nice. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, because he was a, he was a, a freshman at the time. That's pretty so early really to be. Know, yeah, yeah, he was ambitious. <laughs> Um, so there wasn't much to know about him. So like that mindset of not wanting to let that position go to someone that Mm -hmm. didn't care about it. It wasn't that like, I thought, oh, like, of course he doesn't care about it. It It's just, I just didn't know much about him. So, okay. Yeah. So once you decided that you wanted to be in this position, like off the bat, did you start flooring it for like campaigning, getting your name out there, talking to people and trying to figure out like what you can do now Mm -hmm. to actually change, you know, the position that your position would play in the USG? Mm-hmm. So um, one of the parts that I played in our campaign was that I coordinated all of the campaign materials. So okay. we had a graphic designer, uh, Dana, and she designed everything. And then I did the like tedious work of like putting everyone's picture into the campaign posters or scheduling the photographer Mm -hmm. to take the professional pictures in the first place and then photoshopping their pictures and putting it all into the posters and there are how many students that are running like 30 in our party and then getting it printed and all that stuff and like uh the i designed the brochure and then got those printed 
so then we like had a lot to, of, yeah it was a lot, lot of work it was so much work like i think i stayed up till three or four a.m maybe four nights just doing that stuff wow um and like social media and all of that so i because be, because when i started learning about the people i was running with um they were all it was a very well put together party mm-hmm. and we all became friends pretty quickly and they all cared a lot so you felt the so energy. i started to care about them and i wanted ah. them to win too so i put in a lot of energy for that and then yeah i kind of hit the ground running just uh once it was campaign week there's like a certain there was an exact time when you could start campaigning it was like right. 12 p.m on this date was when you can start talking to people like before that you were technically not even tell people talk, mm-hmm. not even supposed to tell people that you're running um but then like every minute of my free time i was out there meeting people sitting down with people finding out like right what, what they, they want. want and what what we could do to to further that mm-hmm. and also telling them what plans we had as a party right if we were to get into office um let me think of something I remember being part, helping with your campaign. Me and probably yeah, you go and around. Robin we, were awesome. we went out and we talked to as many people you got as noticed. we could. Yeah. The thing is, uh, it, every person that we went with, every like group that we started talking to, and we started telling them about mm-hmm. USG, it was kind of astonishing how little the people on this campus knew no, about USG. Right. The thing is, USG though it's student run, they have a large role in what happens for the student body. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the student body, and I think a part of it is because of so much of it being a commuter campus, don't really have the time, or like I don't think they like go out of their way to find out about what's going on. Um, and it's I think it's it's an anomaly because I think most college campuses uh, outside of Stony Brook, I, I believe, have more of a kind of. Uh, uh, want to have a representation through their student body mm-hmm. and I think it's just more kind of around the campus whereas here I mean I don't I didn't really know anything about USG until you started running which says a lot I didn't the meaning I didn't know anything until a close friend of mine started running for a position that was right. pretty up there and, and that's crazy yeah and I don't think that's okay because I think if you know at this age you start getting involved in things like this you'll have more of an idea of political representation when you're older because that is very important in any community. Right. I mean, that's what shapes the decisions that happen mm-hmm. small scale, which will shape the decisions what ha- that happen large scale. Mm-hmm. And I think people just don't really take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, going back to when me and him were, were campaigning, I remember the um, the biggest point that uh, sold the campaign, I believe, was uh, uh, having tampons in the bathrooms for, for uh, mm-hmm. females. Because, I mean, though for a guy, like, that's not a huge deal. Like, no guy's going to be like, oh, like, that's amazing. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like, I mean... It is huge. I mean, that's something that would affect the day-to-day of a girl like that indefinitely. And right. Every time we mentioned that to a group of people, they'd be like, wow, like that's that's crazy. Like, they're going to do that. And we're like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then this is how you vote for them. This is what you got to do. And we, like, loved being part of that. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a big selling point. And that was awesome because it wasn't this uh, made-up initiative that we thought that we sat down and thought like oh what would students vote for like Mm -hmm. what sounds good it was something that people in our party had been working on already right and we knew was a possibility um it was logistical yeah it was logistical there was a plan there was a budget um and the thing is it's it's there now yeah and now it's there so over the summer it uh was all planned out and it launched officially the very first day of this semester which i thought was awesome and it was my one of my favorite things to do 
was one of the first things I did was uh, for the semester was uh, write the press release that detailed what exactly it was, mm-hmm. what the initiative was, mm-hmm. and what it meant and what it changed. So now, if you're a girl and you're on campus, like, and and you get your period, then you can just go to the rec center, or if it's a if it's a Wednesday, you could go to the SAC, and then they'll just no questions asked, you can get it. Right. Or you don't even have to be a girl. Like, if you're anyone that just has a menstrual cycle, like they're not gonna ask you. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a dude and your girlfriend's got it, they're not gonna ask yeah, you questions. Yeah. Right. Right. And nobody has abused it at all, which was was which that was actually was that a word? Some people. Hmm? Was that a worry that people that was actually it? yeah that I mean, was like one go of the out of their way and take it. take mm-hmm. more, more than they did. I remember during campaigning when I would mention it, there were a couple people that were like, "Oh, what about people that just like steal all of it and mm-hmm. like, take it all for themselves?" And that has not happened yet. Goes That's to show the good people, Stony Brook. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's worked really well, and um, hopefully it will be expanding soon. Just have to find the budget. Mm-hmm. For it. So going back to uh, just just now, you said something about uh, you wrote a press release mm-hmm. for once that this happened, right? Mm-hmm. So how often does being VP of communications tie into your actual journalism background? I mean, I'm assuming as you know, VP of communications a lot, but you know specifically, like how often are you hmm. using they're, things that you use in journalism? They're pretty interconnected in terms of ethics and applying the values that you learn in journalism to the decisions that you have to make in the position. Um, but logistically, like, doing journalistic things for the job of VP communications, not that often. Not that okay. often. Um, for the press release, that was that was a big thing that was, like, very obviously tied because you learned how to write an article, so you did it the right mm-hmm. way. Um, but for other things, it's a little bit more abstract. For example, I've got this new program that will be fully launching next semester, USG Outreach where the, uh, the senators and representatives of USG will be on the ground, on campus, walking around similar to campaign week mm-hmm. and just, just talking, talking to people. To people. Right. So it's not like during campaign week, you're, this is the first time you're learning about USG, and then after that, they it kind of dissipates, yeah. Right? It'll be like a constant thing. And this is what I was talking about going to like other college campuses. I think that's more reoccurring in other campuses where, where the people who are part of the student body representatives... Um, like they'll go out of their way and continuously talk to, mm-hmm. to students and try to figure out what needs to be done. Right, yeah. So um, that's something that um, it already soft launched at the end of this semester where they had have links up for surveys that they go out. They talk to people. They tell people what USG has been doing. And then they send them a link um, to participate on uh, a couple questions of our surveys that just ask them things like just generally what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, from small things to like, would you rather have a free t-shirt or a tank top, you know, to bigger things like, what are your thoughts on changing the course retake policy to help us if there's a huge support for it that will help our case when we're presenting Mm -hmm. it to the people that make that decision to let it pass or not. This Um, this actually ties into what I was saying with like math having such mm -hmm. a big uh, influence on everything. Like you said right there is that people saying, you know, what they want and aggregating that data and then actually having representation of what needs to be done i mean mm-hmm. it's proof like it's it's you know there it's solid yeah. it's evidence it's not something that you can dispute mm-hmm. and i think necessary. that's that that's why students need to get more involved is is by putting that vote in like it's a fact like we want this you mm-hmm. know and the connection with that to journalism is that in journalism you don't do anything you don't say anything without facts to back it up mm-hmm. and so 
uh, in uh, one of my other responsibilities in the position, I'm on a board that decides things that uh, affect a lot of students. What is it? The fun things, the big, the major events mm-hmm. like Back to the Brook, Brookfest, Land. And for those things, we have to sort of make decisions for what we think the students want. And for smaller things like, like, would they rather have this kind of cup as a prize or this it's, kind of cup? It's not as big That's, a deal. That doesn't matter. Like, right. I'm not going to go out and survey thousands of mm-hmm. students for that. But like for the larger things, I think it's like what kind, which artist we should get. Or because um, you're never going to please everyone, right. so you'd want to please a majority. Mm-hmm. At or the whether very least. We, you want food trucks or not at Wolfie Land. I don't know. Like the bigger event parts of Wolfie Land, it's hard to think of specific examples. But like the artists, especially, mm-hmm. it, I, I, I mean, think you have to take into consideration budgetary reasoning. Yeah, there's a lot if, of things that go into it. But personally, I think it's ridic- absolutely ridiculous to have that decision just from these less than ten students on this board. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, getting student opinion by surveys and polls, I thought was very important, especially from the journalistic standpoint. So you said it was called, what, USG Outreach? And that's something mm-hmm. that you guys are trying to launch, what, next semester? Yeah, it's, okay. it's like my personal program, my little baby. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what have you done? Like, how was so it I, made? So um, I designed an infographic that just kind of explains everything that USG is in an easy-to-read format, and then okay. at the bottom's got, like, the links on where to follow us mm-hmm. so that you can keep up to date with what's going on because it's an organization that every student here pays, like... Yeah, our money goes to, to this no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll... It's, like, a resource to just help you stay up to date, like, what are we providing you? Right. And then also a resource to help you communicate to us what do you want us to advocate mm-hmm. for? Really playing the role mm-hmm. of communications VP. So, so, <laughs> so uh, the people that are acting as USG representatives, they'll take a credential pass that like shows that they are the representative. And Dana, the graphic designer that mm-hmm. worked with us, she designed that too. And then they'll go around, they'll talk to people about what it is, they'll give it the infographic, and then they'll lead them to the survey that we'll have. And then that survey, I'll update it throughout the semester with questions that pertain to whatever decisions we'll be needing to make soon. It's a lot more student student say going into this then. That's yeah. amazing. That's my goal. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, it's going to be difficult, very definitely at this like forefront of getting it started. Right, um, yeah. It started um, but it just definitely... a couple weeks ago. And it was small, but there it's gonna was a snowball. response. It's yeah. going to be snow. It's, it's going to snowball, especially if you have against you know if you have social media and you're talking to people and you get people to talk to people. It's going to just build faster and faster. Right. Yeah, because often what the way that things spread is just by word of mouth. There's mm-hmm. only so much that you can do on social media. Like I do paid promotions on our platforms, but they only reach so many people. Right. Oftentimes, the things that stick with you and the things that you remember is, when, is like, oh, I heard from this person, or yeah. it was in our group chat that this is happening. Or, That's why when uh, going back to when me and Brian were helping campaign is when we went to people and you know sat down with them or stood stood around and talked to them for like five mm-hmm. to ten minutes, really delving into every little aspect of like what they want to know. It was more, you know, it was per- literally it was personal. Personal, yeah. Yeah, they felt it. Yeah, and it's I think important. that was crucial to them actually, you know, caring about what we were saying. Yeah, I thought so too. You guys are great. Um, I remember during campaign week, there was a guy, I can't remember his name right now, but he ran before. He ran for president before, and he saw the way I was campaigning. He was just kind of watching because he was eating at 
the sack or, mm-hmm. or at Wang or somewhere, and he just watched the way I was. And I would, every time I was campaigning, I would sit down with the person for, like, five to ten minutes. Even if it was, like, just one person. If it, even if it wasn't, like, a group of people, I would just sit with them and just explain what USG is, why I care, what we want. And it would be a conversation. I wasn't, like, lecturing them. And then I would just tell them how to vote, and I wouldn't make them vote in front of me. Because, that one, that was against the rules, even though a lot of people were doing it. And two, I just felt like that was wrong. Like, it was their choice. Yeah, like, I was, that's biased. The point wasn't because I'm tr- trying to, to make you them. vote for me. It's just to make you know how important it is mm-hmm. to vote. It's your journalistic ethics there. Right, yeah. So I would do that, then I'd get up, and then move on to the next one. So I wouldn't reach a whole lot of people in a lot of time, but... Like, I would, there was the no way that I could do that. Reach. Exactly. There was no way I could do that uh, the way I wanted to without taking the time. And so that guy that was watching me, he came up to me. He's like, you're doing it wrong. Like, you got to get in, get out. Like, you have Did to you just sit off? down, make them vote for you. Like, he's no, like, you're pretty. Wrong. Like, just like make them. You said that. Get the, he's like, you're pretty. Get them, make up. them get the phone out, make them vote and just leave. And I was like. You're not connecting no, with the people then. You're like, not representing anyone. Yeah. You're just there for the position itself. And he was like, if you want to win, that's how you have to do it. But I didn't change. You know. Well, he's wrong because you're here now. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Screw that guy. He kind of made me worry though. <laughs> I was like, damn, like you're right. Like. Then my opponents probably, because my opponent was on the team that was known for doing that. Um, but no shade. <laughs> I like them all as people. Um, I don't know how he was doing it because I wasn't. I wasn't watching him campaign. But it made, made me a little scared because, like, well, what if, what, what if, if my, you opponent, are, my, yeah. my opponent's reaching more people than me? But anyway. What if you're not like optimizing your time right now? Yeah, it was a very stressful week. Mm-hmm. Or was it two weeks? I can't even remember. <laughs> but it was, but it, mesh was of time. it was fun, and it was it was. Uh, it was a time. It was a time. <laughs> <laughs> Taking all this into consideration, it sounds like you spend a lot of time behind this position. And obviously, you, you care. You are passionate about it. Um, um, do you ever regret, like, you know, how much time goes away to, you know, you fulfilling this position? Because as a college student, it's not like, you know, you don't have other responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You know, you have so many other things to do. And this takes such a large amount of time out of your right. week. And on top of that, it's not even that you're just spending the allocated time that you're supposed to be spending at as, as a job, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. is you're, you're looking at it more as just, like, a position where you need to be doing said things. Not as just a job, but as a role, as, you know, um, a part of something larger mm-hmm. than yourself. It's a servant position. Like, yeah. If you want to do the job well, you, you do it for more hours than required, than minimally required. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never, hmm, I never regretted it. It never, it's never crossed my mind because it's been a priority. So it's not like, I don't think I've, I've never felt saddened by how much time I put into it. You never, you never, it sounds as though you've never actually calculated the time that you spent in it. You don't think about the time itself. You just do it. Just think, you just think about it in terms of things you've gotten done. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, like I have not done as great of a job as I wanted to. There have been a lot of like aspects to the position that I didn't fully understand and that were I mean you went into it relatively blind right yeah because there are a lot of parts to the job itself that are like the job and not just like the ambitious initiatives and my baby the USG outreach and all of that (laughs) Um, and like the fun stuff there are a lot of like just like this has to get done this has to get done this has to get done Um, that I didn't know about it going into it Um, so it's never been I've never felt like I've put too much time into it I've always felt like I don't, I haven't done enough. 
Okay, that's good to know. That's someone who's representing our student body properly. <laughs> Do you think that you... So you said you made it a priority, right? Mm-hmm. So you th- you ever think that it's something that someone should take into consideration way beforehand like like do you think anyone who runs for the position like they should be thinking about this way prior to they start you know going for the position um it depends on what you want it for so if you just want it as a resume builder then yeah you should probably take that into consideration because you might end up being someone that doesn't put any work into it and that will be very obvious Mm -hmm. and it will show and then that could genuinely hurt you i don't want to name any names but there was a case where someone uh senate threatened to impeach them because they just weren't playing an active didn't mm -hmm, they didn't do anything um for a number of reasons the guy wasn't a bad guy it was just a complicated situation i mean again yeah i said i mean they started off the question is that you're a college student in college there are so many factors so many variables so much going on of course yeah and so if it's not going to be a priority to you, then you're not going to do it well. Mm-hmm. And that will that will hurt you. Mm-hmm. And it will hurt the people around you and the entire student body. Because if someone else could have done a better job, then it, you, the, it could have been done more better. efficiently run. Yeah. And things could have been done faster or more things could have been done. Mm-hmm. And things are changing every year. It's not right. like USG just sits in their butt and not do anything and just hold these names because they want to have these leadership names like there was uh free laundry and whether you like it or not no that's huge students wanted that is huge that passed and then the menstrual hygiene initiative and currently going through now is the course uh retake policy Mm -hmm. changing the way that your grade is affected when you retake a course um and they're they're happening it's not just yeah. Saying things. I mean, that affects my day-to-day. Mm-hmm. I do laundry for free now. I definitely do laundry a lot mm-hmm. more often because I can do it for free now. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I hated the feeling of, like, being low on money and thinking, like, do choosing, I do, la- do I do laundry or do I eat? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's terrible. That's, no one should have to think about it at this time when exactly. you're focusing on your studies. Yeah. Like, in the world when you're, like, making money, doing, having a job, um, yeah, like, that's normal. You yeah. know, laundry, you pay for it. You pay for the water. Right now, it's like, I have other things to do. I have a final that I need to right, fail. Like, come exactly. on. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm paying for tuition. <laughs> I think it I think it just makes it for a smoother system for the students. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it may seem small, but if you take into account that it affects, what, uh, on-campus life is 17,000 students? Yeah, yeah. So that's 17,000 lives. Right. Who are doing laundry. 17,000 undergraduate students. Yeah. And that's not including graduates. Does it affect graduate students? Uh, I don't think so. I don't so, know right? if any graduate students live in dorms. I'm not sure how it They live in Schoenberg. That's the only part of campus uh, that are graduate students. But I don't, I don't know. know if that would I'm affect sure. them. Okay. <laughs> Maybe not. So other than those initiatives, what are like some of the largest roles that you've played as a VP? Uh, as uh, you know, a person who is at the forefront of communications? Mm-hmm. Other than uh, menstrual hygiene, mm, the, a big part... A big part of my job is serving on the student activities board Mm -hmm. and so that's the board I mentioned earlier that decides things like the concert and uh, the the bigger events like senior events in Wolfie land and one thing I did was when we were trying to choose the artists for the concert this year um, we were they were gonna go through with it without any sort of student input 
And I was really? like, that's crazy. Like, yeah, that why? doesn't make any sense at all. And they were like, okay, every year we put out a poll asking for what genre people want, and rap and hip-hop always comes out on top. And so I was like, well, shouldn't we do the artists? Like, it doesn't make sense just to do... Stop there. Yeah. So we narrowed it down to a list of the artists that were... That would be available during the one date that we had reserved for the arena. There are a lot of factors that go into it, like mm-hmm. when the arena is reserved, um, it, whether they're in our uh, range for budget, and uh, their their availability, their, background, their availability, and also their background, their security background. Mm-hmm. And so we had a list of a few, and then I sent that out as soon as we had that list, mm-hmm. and we came back with the numbers that none of them would have guessed. Um, the artist that came out on top was actually an artist that nobody on our board would have guessed would be on top. And I, I think I can say it now because it was uh, the Arctic Monkeys, but they ended up not being available. And the oh. Arctic Monkeys is an indie rock band. Yeah, what? Hey, that'd be dope. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. They, this is the concert where we ended up having Joey Badass? No. No, this is this when... Is Post Malone. Post. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Really? Arctic Monkeys and then Arctic we went to Monkeys, Post Malone? No, no, Arctic Monkeys and then it was Lil Wayne. But Lil Lil Wayne didn't have security clearance. Did not have security clearance. He refused to go through any sort of metal detector. (laughs) And he has a charge for illegal uh, weapons and gun possession, I believe. Oh, that's that's not good. It's called. Um, And so metal detector is standard for every single artist we've ever had. Mm -hmm. Whether it be a wand or um, walking through. That seems very simple. A simple process. Very simple. And he would not agree to it. that That he would not sign the contract because of that one line i mean he and so we lost them yeah it was that's... just it was for student safety like if something god forbid something happened and it and they found you. out like it was student government pushed to let him through with the exception of the metal detector even though everyone else has gone through that like that'd be terrible mm-hmm. like a life <laughs> yeah. or like I don't know. Not, I don't want to be so dramatic, but like, but like any situation where something bad crazy. happened. Yeah. Um, and so we pushed for him for a, lo- a while because that's what the numbers wanted. Mm-hmm. But then right on second place, not much far, far behind, was Post Malone and Khaled right under Post Malone. Which oh, was really? Very close, yeah. But Post Malone... I think I think Post Malone was one of the best choices because uh, fortunately, right when he Fortune, came, yeah, he was, dropped the single, he yeah, dropped Rockstar. Yeah, and, and now he's like number three on Spotify, yeah, I yeah. think. So that, that was really lucky. I don't know how we're going to beat him. I think we, we got him us. right <laughs> at like the, the beginning of his blowing mm-hmm, up as, as a rock star. And it's... Also, on top of that, his album's name was Stoney, so I think that was just very, yeah. very convenient yeah. <laughs> coincidence. And he ended up being great. Like, he yeah, was yeah. so nice. He was great to work with. I got a couple pictures with him. <laughs> a couple flicks. <laughs> <laughs> he played some basketball with students afterwards. Yeah, I saw that. That was hilarious. He was just inebriated, just, mm-hmm. just playing He ball. was so sweet. He was, like, cool with everything. I started watching a lot of interviews after going to that concert and realizing how young he is. He's yeah, his, he's our age. He's, yeah. He's pretty much our age. But he looks like a, a 20s, like, yeah. 9 <laughs> year old hobo like it's just he doesn't take care of himself very well um i don't know i don't know if you can judge that based on how he looks but yeah he does he's in, a, he in terms of just like look. like age the way he looks he doesn't look his age is yeah, all that's i'm true, saying that's yeah, true, yeah. yeah. He i thought he was like in his in close closing to his 30s but uh it was, it was really shocking to me to find that out but that's, i think that's cooler they originally weren't even considering him like his name wasn't even thrown out until i said his name because mm-hmm. <laughs> i love post yeah yeah <laughs> And I was like, oh, plus Malone. <laughs> and then one of the, uh, like, uh, one of the, I don't want to give her name away. 
one of the older people on her that participates on her board mm-hmm. she like looked him up she was like oh <laughs> who is that <laughs> like he's scary <laughs> he does look a little bit scary but like a, a nice scary yeah right? yeah yeah well, now, i've seen a lot of interviews of him he seems very humble he seems he yeah. seems relatively well not humble in fact like i mean he's always wearing like yeah. Jewelry everywhere, but humble in terms of, like who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes from what I know, uh, a relatively stable family, and he, you know, is caring for his mother and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And he's like, he's not. He doesn't seem psychotic in like some of the, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the way that a lot of rock stars are, yeah, or like pop stars, you know, doing crazy things. He seems relatively, uh, for the sake of the word, normal. Uh, yeah. As to the extent that I can tell, and I don't know him as a person, so I can't really yeah. attest yeah. to it to yeah. the, the best extent. Yeah. But from what I see, he seems normal. Same. Uh, the last thing I want to go into um, is, so you started journalism, started getting to VP Communications, and that was a jump. Um, do you think that they kind of went hand in hand and helped you grow in terms of like what you wanted to get out of journalism? Um, and then taking a step past that, I know, this is only because I know you personally, is that you want to take, uh, you want to go to law school, you've taken the, the LSAT twice, and um, do you think like those two things in combination have either made you you know, take that into consideration separately because of those positions? Or you think that's just something, like, I don't know, where, like, you just felt like you fit there more? Wow. Um, I know, that's a big question. <laughs> but that's just, I'm trying to tie everything together. Wow. Um, I think that, yeah, journalism and this position are very intertwined because uh, of some of the things I talked about earlier with, like, the, mm-hmm. the values that go into making certain decisions. And just the 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 part of it where you just have to meet people and interact with people and consider other people's opinions and represent them correctly. Mm-hmm. That's the exact same thing and the same core values. Um, with that, in law, that's also a huge important it's ethics moral and ethics yeah moral ethics and representing things correctly right. and fairly um so did you ever one, tie that together when you like thought about going to law school or yeah, is it okay definitely um well the first thing that intrigued me about law school was i went to a pre-law society meeting it's like a club on a whim and they do a lot of things on a whim I I do actually it just works out Um, uh, there was an admissions counselor visiting and he talked about law school one student asked um, what's one thing that students fail seem to struggle with the most once they get into law school and he said the amount of writing that's into it and that kind of like Click, click. I love click, writing. I was like, oh, I love writing. <laughs> <laughs> I can do more writing. I, and also part of it is kind of like uh, little me, is, little kid in me is not ready to go out into the world and right. start my career. So I That's was thinking I like, oh, I can do more school and I can write. So ideally, thinking into the future, a year from now, my ideal position or how, how would you say my ideal life is to, situation what's is the situation? situation is to be in law school and have a job on the side maybe mm-hmm. doing something in journalism because that would be amazing and yeah it all just ties into wanting to represent things correctly and also represent people fairly and also having fun with the 
the puzzle of the right. words and writing and all of that. I think it's awesome how the things that you did on a whim just happen to work out so well. I'm very lucky and very fortunate. Like, as cliche as it is, I say this, like, every time, it's, like, literally, this sh- like, the name of this podcast is so prevalent in every single person that I've talked to. You never know what you, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, and it's not, it's, I wouldn't say that everything I've done on a whim has been great, but I do a lot of things on a whim, so the odds of something working out mm-hmm. has, is increased. Right, right. <laughs> so that definitely helps. How, how, how big do you think the impact has been on your people skills? This is the last question. <laughs> I feel like I've asked way more questions than I planned no, on asking this time. No, you can ask more time. if you want. Um, let me think. What was your question? Say Pe- People skills. Oh. Just talk, because based upon how large this position is, based upon your background in journalism, and on top of that, you started pretty early on, you definitely had to confront a lot more people on a regular basis. Right. So... Like, do you ever take into consideration how big of an impact that pro- that probably I had? I never on- thought about it, but yeah, thinking back to senior me in high school and senior me now, we're two completely different people in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Senior me in high school would have been, I still get nervous talking to people, of course, but would have been deathly sort of afraid to start, not conversations with people, but serious conversations with people and talking about real things. Um, I was, I've never really been afraid to meet people. I love meeting new people, but now with these things, um, I'm more eager to talk to people about deeper things in depth, what matters to them, mm-hmm. more serious topics other than just having fun and making new friends, which is, which has always been, it's been a constant in my life, but that added on to it, I guess makes it, I don't want to say easier, but makes it more urgent, makes me want to meet more people. That's awesome. And I think you're doing a great job representing our student body. Thanks. Say more. <laughs> little hair flip. Um, given everything that I've talked to you about, because, I mean, it's not, this isn't something that I generally, I don't you know, go out of my way to talk to you about this, even though I am a friend. I mean, this is just something you do. And I think based on just this conversation, it seems like you care a lot, a lot more than I thought, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, I know that you, you did care, but, I mean, not to to the extent that you know I've gotten from this conversation. It seems as though you give have given it a hundred percent to the extent that you can. I mean, again, as a college student, balancing so many things, you can only do so much. Right. I've done what I can, and it hasn't yeah. nearly been enough. But I plan to do much more. Right. You have a semester left, and mm-hmm. you're gonna do that uh, the USC outreach program. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'll do is I'll probably do you have like have you like made like an outline for it or anything like that? Mm-hmm. So do you have like. If you have, like, any, like, links or anything like that, I could probably, like, get that out to people. Okay. I try my best. Uh, though I am small and I don't really reach that many people, I like the idea of, like, trying to reach people. You're growing. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, so I'll try to get that out to people. I'm going to probably start going, walking to people, <laughs> just campaigning again. <laughs> but um, on that note, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I really me. appreciate it. And, uh, yeah. Peace out, guys.